Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 951. We have some corkboard information. Jerry, can I make that sound more sterile? We have uh, corkboard <laughs> information just coming in right now on the ticker. Katie Levine, what say you regarding the corkboard, which is corkboard at ID10T.com? Yeah. Uh, Michael Warbington writes, I wanted to let you know about Camp Quest Northwest, a week-long science and nature camp that we host at Camp Kirby in Skagit County, Washington for uh, campers aged 8 to 17. Our theme this year is Flying Spaghetti Western. It sounds like a lot of fun. They also have, uh, so they do a lot of cool science stuff, but they also have kayaking, rock climbing, archery, normal camp activities. They're still accepting camp registration for June session, and you can visit campquestnorthwest.org for more info. And then... Helen and Paul write, we love the show, and you are our regular listening companion while on tour. We have a band called Big Little Lions. Uh, if people want to check it out, they can go to biglittlelions.com slash music. Didn't Alexander Skarsgård win an Emmy for Big Little Lions? Yes. Or was I thinking of something different? That's not the same? No, a little, oh, okay. little different. Totally different little okay, different. I want to plug a couple things for people because... Uh, Liddy and I went to Monster Palooza this past weekend, oh. which is fucking incredible. It's basically a special effects makeup. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a special effects and uh, crafter and makeup convention, mm-hmm. and so it's you know any kind of special effects, anything um, is at Monster Palooza, and it's fucking incredible. Um, Lydia always we always come home with something fun yeah. from Monster Palooza. So here's what I'm gonna do. Um, I grabbed a bunch of cards. You know, we bought some stuff. People handed me stuff while I was at Monster Palooza. So I'm just gonna read through a bunch of these just to <laughs> plug people's stuff because these are artists and creators and crafters, um, and they rely on word of mouth to you know. Obviously, some of them work on movies, but other of them, other folks just sell directly to uh, to to consumers. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw some stuff. Out. So first of all, I ran into a guy, uh, Daniel Lee. Who who gave me a thing, who uh, won the Nerdist Sci-Fi Contest, which is really funny, uh, for his book After Death. Uh, It's a novel, and you can go to inkshares.com slash book slash after dash death. So uh, get that. Then also, uh, what other cards do I have here? Turkey Merc, Turkey Merc.com, M-E-R-C-K. Really cool, like uh, zombie and skull, handcrafted sculpted mugs. We got some of those. Uh, Midnight Studios FX. Which is great. Um, I think we got like a sort of a, a hat box style ghost uh, from the Haunted Mansion style thing. Uh, Lab Rats Inc. Studio artist um, Michelle Nairi there. Uh, Tanapazzi uh, Sculptures. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Miss Havisham's. Uh, who makes these like insult mugs? So they just like these really beautiful mugs, like yeah. these like antique looking mugs, and inside it says stuff like "kindly fuck off" or "we hate your baby" or oh God, "stop talking." That. Or those are really fun. 
Um, and then uh, this last one I have here says, uh, Forgotten Times, specializing in museum quality, ancestor skulls, trophy skulls, arts, and oddities. Um, and uh, you can, I guess, find them on Facebook or and contact them for custom creations, Ari and Russ. So thanks to Monster Palooza uh, for being fantastic this year. Liddy and I went with our friend Kalen and uh, Will and Ann Wheaton and uh, we had and our friend Lee Shamel who made my uh, TARDIS downstairs who's oh, a crafter awesome. and builder and a uh, really fucking great time. I love that crafter. Community is so great. They're just so communal <laughs> and talented. Um, this episode is Trevor Moore who was in Whitest Kids You Know. Yep. And he has a new Comedy Central special called The Story of Our Times which is on April 20th. How's that go? 420. Yeah, boy, you sure know it. Uh, and then from midnight on Thursday to right before the special on Friday at midnight, Trevor's going to host a 24-hour Trevathon on the Comedy Central Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Trevor's a guy that I've been acquaintance with for a long time, and we never actually sat down and talked. And I'm constantly delighted about how this podcast gets me into conversations that I should have just had being a human in the world. It is hard, though. But Trevor's so fascinating because super funny guy on a, you know, was on was part of a great sketch group, um, but grew up basically touring churches with his parents who were this like Christian music yeah. duo. <laughs> and then also we got into a lot of OCD talk, which was fantastic. And I think probably applicable to a percentage of folks that listen to this podcast. But a uh, really great chat. So please watch Trevor's stuff. Support him. And uh, this podcast brought to you by Burrow. So, Burrow, think of it this way. Uh, most of our modern luxury items come in boxes. Mattresses, clothes, eyeglasses. Now, luxury couches come in boxes, too. No more heavy lifting or dinging your walls while moving in. Burrow brings style and comfort to a, a whole new level and ships your door fast and free. The couch experience has been reinvented. Now, this is the same quality that you might expect from high-end retailers, but because it's not a brick-and-mortar thing, you're not going to have the bank broken. Uh, all borough furniture is shipped fast. Shipping is free. Very easy to set up, as is moving it again. Uh, borough is adaptable. If your space changes, their modular design allows it to move and grow with you. Stain-resistant fabric that can take pet claws. There's built-in USB chargers. Burrow has the durability and functionality to keep up with your life. 30 days of cozy on your Burrow, risk-free. Try out Burrow at one of their showrooms today. Go customize your own Burrow. Get $75 off your order by going to Burrow.com slash ID10T. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash ID10T for $75 off your purchase. Burrow makes the luxury couch for real life. Uh, also, this episode brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. I keep talking about this new boss, Katie. <laughs> What kind of boss is it? This is a bacon boss, Katie. I'm glad you asked. Buffalo Wild Wings uh, has the bacon boss burger featuring bacon three different ways and a blanket of what? White cheese sauce. Thank you for paying attention. He's joined by the other new favorite classics, this bacon boss like smothered cheesesteak quesadilla, sweet chili shrimp, Alaska cod classic, all perfectly paired with one of the new Izzy sparkling juices or Aquafina waters. Hurry in today. Try them before they are gone at Buffalo Wild Wings, available for a limited time while supplies last. This is the ID10T podcast number 951 with Trevor Moore, Katie, roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol.
did that with our, uh, we renovated half the house. And then we lived in the other half. Oh, yeah. And, um, and something that I didn't realize. So they had turned off the water for half the house oh. for, um, you know, months. <laughs> and then when they turned the water on, uh, I just made a glass of water and drank it. And immediately, like, and I, I was, like, thirsty. I just threw the whole thing down. And I immediately, like, like didn't even taste it. Just swallowed, like, the, most of the glass. And then I immediately looked at my wife and I was like, that tasted like eggs. And, <laughs> oh, no! And I got the sickest I've ever been in. I had to go to urgent care. Like, I was, like, sweating. Oh. It, was, it was like having a, a what, what got crossed? No, I, it, uh, I mean, it was just been, it had been standing water. Oh, it had been water that had been oh, sitting in the pipe no. for months. And I just... Uh, yeah. And so now are you extra careful when you look at a water? <laughs> well, that's, well, as soon as anyone says renovation, I go, because that's like, that's my first thought. It's yeah. funny because on paper, it makes sense. Oh, okay. Well, if they work in this app, we'll just live over here. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's, it's sort of like having uh, the loudest roommates you've ever had <laughs> all the time, uh, you know, just uh, giving you food poisoning in the water and uh, clogging up the toilets with uh, big old poops, you know? That's the other part. But it is – and you don't want to complain because you're like, well – I mean, I do have a house. Like, it's a luxury problem. Right, right. But uh, I feel like uh, just I feel like I'm on the real world. Right. Like, if the real world moved to a construction site and there's just always people around. Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like. I'm eyeing your Silver Lake shirt right now. I have oh. the same exact shirt. Oh, really? Uh, Trevor's wearing this amazing shirt that if you live on the east side of, of uh, Hollywood – you will recognize there's a shirt shop in um, the Los in the Los Feliz area that sells them, but there's a there's a podiatrist like a foot doctor place right near Silver Lake Boulevard yeah. on on East Sunset, and it uh, and it's got the craziest cartoon of a super bummed out foot, and then a super ha- so it's like it's an anthropomorphic foot that has its own feet <laughs> and hands. Yeah. You know, there's a whole there's a whole uh, kind of culture around it of people who are very superstitious about it. Um, really? Yeah. There's a whole Wikipedia thing about this. Right? It's the happy foot, sad foot sign. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's uh, been people who like will the 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 urban legend goes if you're driving by, if you have the happy foot <laughs> oh, facing fuck, you, I didn't know about this. Yeah. Then you like then you think you're gonna it's gonna be a good day. Oh, that's gonna get in my head. If you have the bad foot, it's a bad day. And there's people who will like. Go around the block and drive again because they want to see. Uh, the Eels wrote a song yep. about it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like Beck is one of the guys who's really into like the the, the superstition about. The I mean, that person. should really be a historical landmark at this point. I mean, it's, it's it's the Hollywood sign to me. It it's really like is. It's, it's a Hollywood sign at Silver Lake. But you know, the thing about it is, if uh, if I were going to go to a podiatrist and I had that problem, I would probably have him get rid of the face that's on the bottom of my foot. <laughs> And take off the appendages and pull out the little eyes under the toes. It's so weird. Yeah, it's uh, but it works. It I mean, does. Yeah, I mean, if I ever had a foot problem, I think that would be the first place I would go. Is it? Is it still? Do you know if it's still open or if it's? Do they just leave it on the side? No, it's still there. Like I, um, a friend of mine. Well, at least it was a couple of years ago. A friend of mine said he went. Um, like a couple of years ago to this thing. It's, I think it's still a, a foot doctor. And is that in the same complex that has that super hip noodle joint there too? There's yeah, like, like the vegan kind of, yeah. yeah, that place. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. That's all, all that's sort of overtaken. <laughs> you know, it's crept into Echo Park and then it's Silver Lake and that whole area. That's great. I, I love that shirt and I, I, uh, I own it. I own it as well. In fact, I almost kind of feel like 
at the end of this podcast, I'll go up and I'll put mine on. It will be twins. And we can, we can take a picture. Oh, great. Um, but I think if they were really thinking clearly, what they should have done is put the hurt foot on the front of the shirt and then the happy foot on the back of the shirt to really... Well, that's, but then that's negative. If, if you, if you, if you uh, buy into the superstition, that's true. when you're walking around, you're going to freak people out. They'll be like, oh, now I have to go around back behind you. I got to see. <laughs> you're gonna, you would do that and then some like super old Silver Lake gypsy would be like, no! <laughs> and then you'd, be, uh, you'd have to be decursed somehow. Did you, how long have you lived in L.A.? Um, I moved in 2009. Oh, you've been here for a while. Yeah, so I've been here like nine years. Yeah. It doesn't feel like 2000 when you say 2009. Oh, that's just a couple. Oh, that's almost a decade. I know. Yeah. 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 No, I've been, I've been here as long as I was in New York now. Like, oh, wow. So this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess now I'm, I live here. And when did Whitest Kids rap? Uh, we stopped the show in 2011. So I, I did the last two seasons I lived out here. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's really crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of melting my mind for a second. That's no, it's, one of those like, oh, the years are just like months. Yeah. Like, there's no... Like we had this deal on Whitest Kids that after five years, like we would get the rights to everything. So like uh, they only like leased the rights of the mm-hmm. show to us uh, for themselves. And yeah. then we get them in five years. And it felt like nothing. Like, you know, like, uh, like it was like a year. It felt like a year. And then all of a sudden, like we had the rights to everything. And we we're like, oh, wow, it's been five years. <laughs> then what do you do at that point? Do you go like, well, do where, where, do, where do we do this? Well, that's do we the thing. Yeah, we thought we were like, we were like, uh, oh, and then we'll, uh, you know, then we'll own it. And we'll like, you know, sell it places. But then we're just a bunch of guys. We don't know how to do that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we have these rights. And we're, you have a network? I don't, I don't <laughs> network. I thought you had a network. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that's right. We're not uh, content salespeople. Yeah. Well, that, that, that can also be the tricky part, too. We will go, we'll just do it online. Like, well, someone has to pay for that. Like, yeah. it's not, like, at a certain point... <laughs> it like it's fun when you start out to do it guerrilla style. Oh, we'll just shoot it at this. You know, I know this guy works at a bar. We can use it during the day. But at a certain point, when you become like a real professional organization, you need money to fund that. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's and you, gotta, you basically have a staff. Yeah. Kind of thing. The only thing that's it's helpful is like so I'm doing this 24 hour live the Trevor Thun. Yeah. I'm yeah. doing a telethon mm-hmm. 24 hour talk show kind of thing. And um, I was like, I'm gonna need time to like sleep. Or something, or just have a break for mm-hmm. 24 hours. So it's like, oh, well, we shot this movie that I could show, you know, the Civil War movie that we did and right. write as kids like that. And then they were like, well, what about the rights to it? And I was like, no, 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 I got them. <laughs> like, yeah, so that's the only thing it really helps out with. It's, it's like, going to help you sleep for two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To show the Civil War on drugs during Trevorthon. That's a great idea because your specials for Comedy Central. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they're doing promotional stuff to promote it. Yeah. Although you do seem to be doing a lot of the work there by having to be up for 24 hours. Well, that was my fault, actually. Because like, like, they were like, well, how, how would you want to promote it? And I was like, well, I could, I could do a, sh- a show for 24 hours. And then they, they immediately were like, oh, that's great. And then, and then I was like, why? I could have said 12. <laughs> 12. Like, it's just the first thing I popped You could have said one. Yeah, <laughs> and they probably would have been like, "Great." <laughs> I mean, what are you what are you planning to do during this twenty four hours? Is it is it are you gonna is it a lot of improvising and fucking with audience, or do you have like a full twenty four hour plan? Well, I don't think there's any way to have a twenty four hour plan. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I think what we're gonna do the the goal is we're gonna try to solve all of the world's problems. Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll take one hour, and it's gonna be the first hour. I think is the Middle East, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna figure out we're gonna fix the Middle East problem right off the top. Yeah, yeah. When we're awake, when we've got like all mm-hmm. of our energy. 
movie. And then uh, the second one is we're going to try to fix the Star Wars franchise. Great. And so it's, it's some, are, some are serious, some are not. Like, you know, um, but then we'll basically devote an hour to, like, you know, we'll take calls. Like, uh, we're having an 800 number. Um, we'll have people call in. And um, we're also going to have an open mic night. Oh, um, great. So oh, fantastic. People off the street can come in and, like, you know, do open mic and stuff. And uh, we're going to get try to get, you know, different celebrities to Skype in and stuff like that. And, you know, you know there, there, was a, there was a British show. Oh, boy, this was like 20 years ago because I, I did the American version of the pilot. And, of course, it didn't go. But it was called um, The People Versus. And, and I can't remember the guy's name, the host's name in England, but essentially he had a. It was very. It felt very much like a public access show. Yeah. He was sitting at a desk, and then just like kind of like what you said, just random people would just come in. Like there was no <laughs> consistency to who these people were. The people off the street, just business people, whatever. They would come in, and they would just start ranting or talking about whatever they wanted to talk about, and he would engage them. But then the second he lost interest, he would hit a bell, and they would have to get up and leave. Oh, that's great. And then the next person would come in. That's great. And which is. To me, like a very British-minded show, it's like, well, you know, there's no reason. That's why you do it. Yeah. But in America, they were like, well, what are the segments? Like, no, no, there's no segments. Yeah. But this feels like a format where you could just have people line up and fuck with them until you're done, and then they leave. Yeah, the whole idea is we just want to see what happens. Like, you know, we're going to make a potato gun. Um, we're going <laughs> to, like, uh, you know, we're just, we're, there's, uh, I just got off of, like, a two-hour-long uh call with like legal Mm -hmm. like about what we can and cannot do like that and um and uh, it was fun because like we're going through and it was like i wanted to do like you know how they uh all these talk shows do like a cooking segment yeah you know it's like a staple yeah like conan cooks with somebody so i wanted to do that but uh, under a segment where we're talking about you know spaying and neutering your dogs Mm -hmm. and i wanted to get a vet to come in and neuter a dog on the air (laughs) Jesus Christ! but just like be there with him the whole time and be like now what are you now what are you doing right now like can i like and that was the whole thing they're like i don't know if we can do this so Uh, i like a surgery segment (laughs) yeah in of the cooking segment. <laughs> That's a really great idea. Also, you should spare new to your pets. Yeah. Right, Katie? Yes. It's a positive right? thing. It's, a, it's got a, it's, yeah, that is a great positive message. <laughs> maybe you could, um, maybe there's a thing where you could actually just go on Tinder and see who you can get to come in. We're doing that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, uh, fantastic. But we're trying to set up uh, people calling in and then we'll uh, set them up on a date and we're going to have uh, a table and a dinner right there in the studio. Yeah. We'll have them come in and we'll just observe their date and kind of do commentary and see how, how it goes. And then we'll have a fantasy suite. We'll have a mattress on the floor. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to you is that this is wildly successful. And they're like, okay, every Saturday you get a 24-hour block. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to fucking ruin it's going to fucking ruin your life. I, I didn't know this about you, but I read that uh, your parents were like a successful Christian duo, like a Christian music yeah. duo. No, I I grew up on a tour bus like um until I was 8. Like we lived on a they were Christian rock singers uh in like the 80s. That's all of those elements together yeah. are, are magical. Christian rock in the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. And they had like the number two hit in the country, and we just toured around and played mega churches and stuff like that. And yeah, that was, uh, and I never thought it was weird until I like kind of started getting into high school and be like, well, I used to, you know, my parents are Christian rock singers. I used to live on a bus and I was like, what? Like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know how you go around to mega churches? And yeah. Like, no, and I you don't sang- know. <laughs> Did, were you in the band? Um, I was at the beginning. I, I sang with them. I quit when I was six. Yeah. Um, actually, I threw like a fit on stage. Like I had like a kind of a tantrum. Oh. I was like, I don't want to sing anymore. Did they exercise? No, the but they, my, they spanked me uh, on stage and it got like a standing ovation. What? Yeah. It got like huge what? applause. Yeah. <laughs> 
I vividly remember that. Boy, yeah. that's the other thing where you're like, well, now we got to do this every week. This kills. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was our closer from then on out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you start to have the dandruff throughout the set, and at the end, they spank you. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what does that do to a <laughs> I really need to try to understand what that does to a child's psyche. Yeah, me too. I have no like, idea. Capital punishment <laughs> in front of thousands of people. Cheering. In a, in a religious setting. <laughs> what does that do? Like, what is Tiny Trevor Moore thinking at that point? <laughs> I, I just... Uh... I have no idea. Like I just remember, I remember it happening. Like you know, uh, but I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the immediate damage. Oh was. boy, if the internet has footage of that somewhere, that I'm sure they don't. But if they did, Not that performance. But they, they, there are my parents are on there. Like yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. I, I have, I feel like feeling there's no way that that didn't contribute to you becoming a comic. Like there's no way that that didn't, that wasn't a part of the recipe. Sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, also, well, even just in the sense of. Um, you know, until I was eight, like, you know, I lived on a bus and then every night you would kind of be at a different, you know, venue. Mm -hmm. And so you meet different kids, Yeah, you know, and like, so your friends are really like one night friends. Right. Like that. So you had to try to be funny as fast as possible mm -hmm. to make friends. Really, right. Like that. So I think that had to be a contributing factor like that. Because I remember being like, all right, well, you got to be as funny as possible. And, you know, that kind of, that's how you, you know weren't lonely all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of jealous of having like an insulated audience like that because immediately if you're Christian and you're performing for thousands of Christians, you already have this lexicon, basically. You already have this shared understanding. Right. It'd be bad form to boo. <laughs> because ultimately that would mean you were against the lord yeah oh you don't like the lord <laughs> yeah. fine i thought we were all here for a reason exactly uh because he's really always the headliner right like yes. ultimately that's the that's ultimately the jesus is headlining all of these gigs and you guys are just opening <laughs> unfortunately he never shows up <laughs> he's late he's on you know he's on his own schedule but uh but it seems to me that it you know, when you, because th that, that sort of happens when you first start doing comedy where you, you get used to performing for your insulated group and then you go outside where people don't know you. Right. And you're like, oh, oh, right. I, I have to learn how to earn. Yeah. Earn the trust. Yeah, totally. And when did you start doing, did you start doing stand up around then or was it more sketch? No, when I, um, well, when I was like 16. Like, I started a public access show. Yes, that, yes, that, which was very successful. Yeah, because it was in, like, uh, it was in Charlottesville, Virginia, famous Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, the world famous. World famous for bad reasons now. But, um, <laughs> uh, but it was um, the, uh, so it was a college town. And so, like, it became popular with that. And then it actually got bought. Uh, by uh, remember Pax Television? Of course, yeah. So a guy who owned a bunch of affiliates of that bought the show, and so I took a year off of before of before college and um, just did. I got to like hire all my friends, and we did you know like a sketch show, right? And then it got like canceled because it was like a very Christian network, uh, and it wasn't a christian show like and so they were always getting complaints and i thought it was going to be fine because they were like it was airing at like 10 o'clock yeah and i was like you know it was a lot of touched by an angel those kind of shows right. things like that and then you know they just bought mine because it was popular in the community so right. like uh but i was like 10 o'clock will be fine but i didn't realize they were re-airing it like on uh, saturday mornings at like 9 a.m right so oh. and kids were seeing it and then we're getting all sorts of they were seeing your uh, jerked off by an angel sketch right and then you, just can't, <laughs> right. you can't show that too <laughs> <laughs> like what? What? But to, but honestly, though, like what were some of the 
what were some of the premises of the sketches that were not acceptable where they were like, oh, you can't do that. I did a, um, a thing in a, a, uh, from an old folks home, like a, a mon- uh, like a morning show that was called Hey, Hey, Who Died Today? And it was basically <laughs> them like just checking all the rooms or stuff like that. I did like a, a sketch that was called like What's in the Bag? And you, uh, you just had a big bag and you would just beat it with like different, like a hockey stick or something uh-huh. like that. And we'd have different animal sounds coming from <laughs> in it. And like you had to guess what kind of. Um, and then um, and it was a lot of just calling. Like kind of prank calls and calling people and, and, and stuff like that. I filmed a bunch of roadkill. Oh, fantastic! Um, I called the Virginia Department of Transportation and had them like let me know whenever there was a big roadkill, and I'd go <laughs> and I'd film it. And then um, I gave each of the dead roadkill voices, uh-huh. like silly voices, and then I just did Hamlet, like. And <laughs> this is uh, mind blowing to me that you did this on PAX. Yeah, I it, mean, that, that's, it got cut off pretty. Yes, quick. but that's still yeah. genius that you even did it. That you even got to do it for a second. <laughs> yeah, we is, did. Is fantastic. We lasted seventeen episodes. Uh, uh, the seventeenth one they wouldn't air. We lasted sixteen episodes, and then we f- we'd finish the seventeenth episode, and they're like, "No, you're done." Like, so, so somewhere out there is the series finale. Of your pack show that you never got to do, sort of. Except we didn't know it was the series finale. It was. Did you, the, did you ever think about pitching a show, but to where the to like Comedy Central, someone where the premise was you were doing a sketch show on a Christian network, and that this that you had that like those were the sort of weird regulations that no, you had. but that's a, that's a great. That's idea. a fucking great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I was doing. You yeah. lived it. Yeah, you absolutely lived it. Yeah. So then, where did the whitest kids you know come from? So then, when I got canceled there, I um I went to New York to go to college, and uh, I just like really wanted. It was like going to New York with the intention of like let's I want to do a get a comedy group together and. Um, and uh, I started doing stand up at like the UCB, mm-hmm. like the the first one in New York. Yep. Like um and like nineteenth, uh, like right right near uh, McManus Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah started doing like stand up there every now and then. I met um, Sam Brown from mm-hmm. the Whitest Kids, and we went and we lived in the same dorm. Um, and so we just kind of put out flyers. We talked to the the school. Um, we went to the School of Visual Arts, and we talked to them, and and um, and if we did a club. Like if it was like a club, like mm-hmm. it's a comedy club or whatever like that, you, you, we would get like 700 bucks a semester. Like, yeah. um, and so we're like, that's great. We'll, you know, buy beer and cigarettes and stuff with that money. And, and so, but because of that, we couldn't be like, you get in and you don't. Like everyone had to be in. Right. So we started this, we called it Whitest Kids You Know, and we put like flyers everywhere. And it was literally like, do you want to be in a comedy troupe? Like, come on down. Like, right, if it, someone started that at a college now, I know. would be like, <laughs> what's going what on? What is that? Yeah. I don't know if that's appropriate <laughs> or I'm not sure. That's okay. Yeah. That, that's that's uh, that much n- different. It was a much different time. Yeah. That name hasn't aged well. <laughs> Um, <laughs> didn't really stand the test. It's it's just good that you solidified the brand before which, before you know yeah. like so that it's all so people don't think of it as the literal interpretation. Yeah, yeah, and, and but that's that's how we started. So we had like seventeen members of the of the troop, and we did shows every month. It's like the, the state. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and that's how it was until until I graduated from uh, college, and then we like cut it down to like five members oh got it yeah. got it got it and so were you, were you doing 
just like regular live performances at school or did mm-hmm. you, was it just writing sessions? No, it was like we, we did a show every month at school. It would be like a three-hour show because there were 17 members and of everybody course. wanted to get their stuff. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we would do like New York Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always was a great place to like – we have no credits. Like, you know, they're <laughs> like, all right. You know, like uh, – so we would play – so we'd play some clubs around and and then um, right uh, – and we started getting like a good following. Like, you know, a lot of people were like coming to the, to the school for these shows. Yep. And um, and then uh, we got uh, the the show at P- uh, there's a bar called Pianos. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And David Cross uh, was leaving. Uh, he used to do a really popular show there called Tinkle. Yep. And then I, I think it. he came out here to L.A. and so they needed someone to fill that spot, and uh, we got the the spot. And then we just started. Then we started doing a show every week. And we tried to do a new show every week. So no material that we'd done prior. Mm-hmm. Like So we would write Friday night, rehearse Saturday, and then do the show on Sunday. Oh, um, and we did that for like f- three years. And that's how we like kind of built like a you know a, a following kind of going. That was a really good time for comedy too because that, that was on Ludlow, right? Yeah. And so right across the street was Luna Lounge had yes. a really great – like Monday night show or Sunday night, Monday night show maybe. And then, yeah, so the, the back and forth between Luna and pianos, like that was such a great little block for, yeah. for comedy. Yeah. And then we would do our show and then we'd head up to Rafifi mm-hmm. and we would like hang out there all night. Like it was is that, like, that's gone too, isn't it? Yeah. It's an American Outfitters now. Oh, go oh, great. Yeah. And everything else that we talked about is an NYU dorm. Oh, uh, fuck. Really? <laughs> no, no, but, oh, but, but it, feels, but it seems like there, that. But, yeah. yeah. Rafifi, isn't that where the, where Eugene did invite them up? Yep. They, yep. I remember that. I think I did that there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that was a great venue. Like, yeah, and now uh, everything's just some kind of a franchise business. Well, it's funny, like, as I was watching, like, um, you know, over the past, like, two weeks, everybody talking about Meltdown. Yes. And it's saying, like, it really brought that back to me of, like, because I remember, like, it was out of nowhere. They were like, well, Rafifi's, you know, shutting down. Like that. And then they did a big last show, and it was this whole big kind of Yeah, the of Meltdown era. thing is so surreal, but they've been, you know, for the last handful of years, they've been... We we always kind of thought, oh, maybe next year is the last year. Because I guess whoever owns that block, they've been trying to turn it into my understanding. I don't know if this is allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> my understanding is that you know they want to do that thing where they turn it into like glass box condos with sure. like the Chipotle's down below or the Five Guys that like they really want to because it is. Probably one of the most expensive blocks right. in the country. That well, it'd be Sunset nice to get Boulevard. some Chipotle's in L.A. That's yeah, exactly. That's There's good. one a couple blocks away from there, yeah. but it'd be nice if it was like right there. Yeah. yeah. So you could just go back and forth the Guitar Center. <laughs> but uh, but it, and so I guess yeah I don't know I I think it finally I don't know if they're doing that or not but finally I think Gaston was just like ah you know 25 years of you know when you're selling comic books. Yeah. On in a massive warehouse style building on that expensive street in a business where people maybe aren't necessarily buy, going to buy physical comics anymore. But but with Rafifi or with pianos or anything or with Meltdown, the bummer part is just sort of like, oh, our, our clubhouse, our community. It's just exactly. like watching the community dissipate. Yeah. Or like where, where does every what, – what springs up now? Yeah. Like well, kind of fortunately <laughs> though, um, Jamie Flam just opened Dynasty Typewriter, which seems oh. like a great venue. I haven't been able to get over there yet because of my work schedule. But I see like he's putting on really great shows over there. So there yeah. – like something always pops up somewhere. Yeah. And then the community just kind of morphs and it gets new people and sheds people. and But it is – but th- those – Finding your little comedy clubhouse is one of the most 
inspirational and gratifying, like, oh, my God, this is a thing. And I always tell people, like, enjoy it because these don't always yeah. last. Like, the strongest ones still eventually people get too busy or businesses sell or whatever. Yeah. And you always see people, like, talk about theirs, like, with, like, such, like, you know – importance and stuff like that like you see oh the comedy store in the 80s and right. like uh, Chicago second city and all that stuff like that and you're like okay it's not really interesting to me like that <laughs> and then like when you find one you're like this is I can't believe this is going away this but, has uh, never happened before <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh, like, yeah well maybe it's happened <laughs> maybe it happens all the time I mean I've got I've been lucky enough to see a handful of them mm-hmm. and uh and and so that's why I'm not always as distraught when one ends because I know that it, like thing. some because just the need to commune like comedy needs a community right and it it always pops up somewhere and there's always someone being innovative and new and fresh and so are you do you perform a lot locally I don't that much anymore like I um I uh, you know I kind of I'll, if I have a bit I want to do I'll like go up and you know do it but I don't have a regular place I perform I, I do. Um, I go do like weekends at like comedy clubs yep. around the country and stuff, but I haven't done that much locally. Like, so I'd I, like to do more. I know I'm the same yeah. way because I, I I just you, you go do a weekend somewhere like oh, okay I did five shows and then you come home and you're like boy do I feel like driving across town <laughs> and parking to do twelve minutes? Yeah. Of for other comics, yeah. <laughs> and then get back in my car and drive. You know, you just you start you just start you just sort of kind of get the older person syndrome where you're like, "Boy, bed feels good, yeah. and uh, I got to catch up on some Netflix shit." So I don't know. If I, <laughs> totally, I feel I, like yeah, it's like uh, well, I've been I've been show running a Disney show for the last three years. Like uh-huh. that. so, there's also like I just uh, like kind of use that as an excuse of like you know I'm like I can't well, believe I, I didn't know that what show what, what are you show running uh, it's called Walk the Prank uh huh um, it's uh, it's a show on Disney XD but I've been like running that for like the last three years so did like, you sneak the hey hey who died today sketch no, into there no, okay, no, no, no. well you know no. you got a treasure trove <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, got a, you got a treasure trove you can neuter a dog yeah <laughs> well I hope no one at Disney watches the 24 hour show yeah, that's <laughs> or I won't be show running a show <laughs> <laughs> what? So, how has it been for you transitioning into that role? Because the showrunner is really sort of the puppet master of like you got to deal with the network, you got to deal with the talent, you got to deal with the stories, you got to right. deal with the schedules. You have to. I mean, it's it. It always sounds neat, but then it is a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it, um, it's it's been fun. Like I like the executives there. Like I um, like, and I kind of like constraints of like you know like okay how do we make this funny with all the constraints that we have like you know I always kind of enjoy that sort of thing so um and I love just being on S&P calls. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love people being like, you can't do that. And we're like, well, what about this? What if, uh, you know, right. what if he says barfs on your butt, not in your butt? Like, can can I that? say rectum instead of anus? Exactly. No, you can't say either. <laughs> can't say either. Uh, were your parents, when they, saw the, when they saw the comedy you were making, were they like, oh, this isn't very Christian? Or were they pretty cool about that stuff? No. Well, yes and no. Like, they're, my parents are super supportive. Like, they... Um, you know, like when I would do my public access show, if I needed a camera person, they, you know, hold the camera and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they, they've always been very supportive. They don't like the kind of material that I do, mm-hmm. though. Like when uh, Whitest Kids first started kind of picking up steam and like, like you when YouTube came out, yep. then 
that really because we were just having, hosting all of our um, uh, videos on our website, right? And then so people started throwing them up on YouTube, and we started getting like some viral things and stuff like that. And and uh, my dad would go and flag them on YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd call me and he'd be like, uh, "I saw this video that uh, that you did, and I just thought it was really inappropriate, so I had got in touch with YouTube, try to get him to take it down." <laughs> issuing takedowns yeah and then he'd be like oh by the way that that tree fell down back uh, in the back he just switched topics back to like you know regular stuff like that's insane you know. <laughs> that's crazy yeah, yeah that's right because youtube was 05 yeah and uh and it's fun to talk about it's fun to talk to people who was you think like well i guess now it's been 13 years but it's hard to imagine a time before youtube and this, you know, I've had this conversation with the Rooster Teeth guys, too, where they were like, yeah, you know, we just used to host these stamp size videos in, like, a QuickTime format, and you kind of had to handle the bandwidth and all yeah. that shit and, you know, host it. Uh, so did you did you guys adopt YouTube immediately, or were you sort of forced onto We've it? We've never had a YouTube channel. Like, oh. to this day, like, we never had a YouTube channel. Like, we, because uh, we would just host them on our, our website. And we actually, like, one, I, I did, a, like, a, a Hitler rap one that was, like, one of the first things we did that kind of, like, the internet found mm-hmm. and really, like, ran with. And uh, it got so many downloads that it, like, crashed the whole server. Like, the, I think the it was the same server that the History Channel was on, we found out, and the History Channel's website went down. But well, we, they had a competing Hitler rap. They had, yeah, yeah. it was the History Channel. <laughs> it was all Hitler-based yeah, yeah, content. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then they, were, uh, they told us, like, well, you owe us this amount of money. Because you know it was all our bandwidth, like kind of thing, like that, and we're like, we're we're none of us have any money, like we can't. And they kind of forgave it, like kind of thing. But we were like, yeah, we didn't know it was gonna like be that big. Oh like. my god! Um, so then when YouTube came, it, it happened right around that same time. We were like, oh, this is great. And, but we never did it. Like we just had people would take our you know videos and put it on YouTube. So like these ones that have like you know, 10 million, 12 million hits or whatever like that. Like we never saw any money from that because we just let our like idea was like, you know, the fans want to spread it. That's awesome. Like let them make money. Off and it. and that lets that also, that serves you because then people are finding your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until like when, like in the later years of us being on like IFC, like I think they they started taking kids uh, channels down that mm-hmm. had our stuff, oh, and right. we tried to kind of be like let them, you know, and uh, and we kind of were able to stop them from taking some down, but still some they took down and stuff. Like yeah, we we would have those fights with Comedy Central sometimes where um, someone took a chunk of one of the at midnight episodes. I think it was the one with uh, I think it might have been the one with. Um, the Bernie versus Trump with the Domian oh, right. and, uh, and, and Tony Tamanuk. And they put a clip of it on Facebook and it, it got like a hundred million views. Like it blew up. Yeah. And Viacom was like, Nope. We're like, it's a commercial for our show. Right, right, right. What are you doing? Like, yeah. well, we didn't make a, you know, half a cent of you or whatever. Like, but it's, Come yeah. on. You yeah. know, I mean, it, it really does. Cause that's 2000, that's $200,000. I get, I get. hundred million? I think that kind of translates to like 200,000 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know, but it, but, but the, but the thing that, the thing that's hard to explain to them, and, and I, and I understand, I get, I guess I understand they're running a business. Right. The thing that's hard to explain is like, yes, but if you guys had put it up, that wouldn't have happened probably. Right. You know, like that happened because someone saw a clip that spoke to them and that spoke to all their friends and then they passed it around. Yeah. So can we just let this one slide? Yeah. Because there's no marketing budget for our show. So this was the marketing budget. 
budget right here. Yeah. That all went away. Yeah, no, we had that because, like, we were, like, you know, there was, like, YouTube videos we were really proud of that had, like, super high view counts. And then there was this purge that they did and they just took them all down and we were like well now it's like you know it, it, we, we've got you know it doesn't look like we have nearly as many view counts as we did yeah like, and you know, also it, it's <clears throat> your sort you get the unsort the, the unfortunate fallout of like you guys are institutional now like in terms of like oh that's not cool like right. the whitest kids took our like no 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 oh, no, yeah. no that wasn't we didn't we here we want you to have this totally totally yeah so that was but then the IFC show must have started in 06, right around yeah. 06. okay well it started out on Fuse and then um, it went over to yeah, IFC. It yeah went, we went to IFC in the second season yeah. right and then at that time were you kind of realizing like okay now we're starting to have options or this is we're like. This thing that started as a college club that we've had has had many iterations and people passed around. Like this is a real thing now. It's a real brand. Or do you guys not think in those terms? Um, we d- we were. I mean, we were just excited that it was all like you know people were. I mean, I remember like before the show came out, we went on a six week tour with Flogging Molly. You mm-hmm. know the band yeah. Flogging Molly, and so we're opening for them. And um, and I, I don't know how much you know about Flogging Molly. Sketch comedy opening for an Irish band is always the Great best. idea. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's there's nobody who likes Flogging Molly. It's either their favorite band in the world. Like, everyone at those concerts, they're like, it's their favorite band in the world. And like, then so these guys come out and start doing sketch comedy. Yeah. Like, so I'm coming out, and, like, they're all doing the soccer chants, like, oh, 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 waiting for the band to come out. And then we come out, and, and oh, and we don't have a show yet. No one knows who we are. So we're like, all right, now, in this bit, uh, I'm a girl. Uh, this is my husband <laughs> and then we're like doing like a <laughs> and you're basically like pissing off soccer hooligans yeah and yeah. they would literally throw bottles of whiskey like you know like they were well not bottles of whiskey they'd throw beers like beer bottles at us and you stuff don't want like to that. waste good whiskey yeah and uh and so then like we were it was like we did two shows like that and then we were, we were going to the next one and i was just talking to sam i was like yeah no, this isn't gonna work at all <laughs> Like, I was like, we have to completely rewrite what we're doing. So then we just created these characters that were like Irish hooligan, like, you know, hype men. And we'd come out and just drink whiskey on stage and like throw whiskey at the audience. And then they were like, they loved that. That's so, fantastic. And then on our way out, we'd be like, we have a show coming out on Fuse in like a couple of weeks. Please watch it. Like, wait a minute. Those were characters. Get them. <laughs> Get them. Yeah. 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 That's really funny, though. And, that, and that's what's so. That's that's kind of what's great about having like the comedy toolkit at your disposal is sort of looking at a situation and going because it, it really is it, like a, a real comedian like a really good comedy people are basically survivalists right it's right. like how can I survive in this environment when I have to completely throw out everything like what about this environment can I use yeah. to make this work yeah it's just it's playing to the room it's like all right what. You know what are these people going to enjoy? Like, you know. and then how many shows did you do with that? Then six weeks. It was like Jesus it Christ. was like we were on the road with them for a long time. Yeah, people but, always think that it's going to be a good combination. We're like, oh, people love comedy, <laughs> people love music. Let's yeah. just put these bills. And forgetting that you know when people pay and they go to a go to a music show, they genu- they generally are pretty focused on the thing that they paid for. And if you're not that thing. You're just delaying their gratification, and yeah. the drunker they get, the less appreciative they are yeah. to that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's – I mean, I, I would have hated to see our group <laughs> ahead of a band I wanted to see. <laughs> um, but, 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 I mean, to go back to your the, – the question at the beginning was that, was that like – 
that was the thing that we were excited about, like what with the show and it becoming a brand kind of thing. Because like we did that tour, and then like the very next year we do the tour, and then people are coming to see you, right? I think. And so then that was like, oh, okay, this is you know this is fun, like you know. And then we could you know we'd go a place and be like, I don't I don't know if I don't know if we'll I don't know if anyone will be in St. Louis that goes to see us, and then there'd be a, a crowd there. And so right. that was that was the thing that we were. We, th- we were just more excited about that than thinking about the brand kind of thing. Did you tour as a group for a while after the show or once the show was done? Were you guys like, oh, let's take a break or let's write movies or let's do something? No, we toured for a while like um, and then um, – and I still go out because uh, I do uh, – I go out with my like music yeah. stuff now. And uh, But whenever I go out, I at least bring two of the uh, Whitest Kids guys with me and we'll throw in a couple of old sketches and stuff like that. So like you know, we still kind of tour pretty frequently. That's pretty cool to hear because it it with stand-up it's difficult you know wow this is making me see this so i think stand-up stand-up jokes are like magic tricks right and once people see what the punchline is or they see how it works unless it's like a unless it's like jim gaffigan's hot pockets bit or like you know like a a really classic bit they don't want i already seen that yeah i already know how that works but what's interesting about sketch is that sketch is more like music. Yes. Because it is like a three or four minute piece that has an arc and takes people yeah. on a little journey. And people really do like seeing sketches over and over again. Yeah. No, that's the – yeah, we re- kind of realized that when we were doing it too because, you know um, – I mean, it's very, we've always thought it's very much like music. I mean, just the fact that, you know, it's a band, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's a group of people like, and you know, they're, they're all around three and a half minutes, like, yeah. you know, like it's, um, and then there's people have their favorites and, and, but we would find that like, you know, you go out and, you know, it's fun to do new stuff, you know, like for us, yeah. you know, but like the stuff that people really want to see is the stuff that they know. So we try to kind of sprinkle it in and it's great with doing the music, like, you know, it kind of. You know, we can throw in a couple old sketches and it doesn't feel too like it doesn't feel too jerky. Like yeah. it feels like they all kind of feel tonally in the same thing. Like, so when your special comes out, um, which is in like it's like the 16th or the 17th, the 20th, the 20th, 420 for. Oh, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> um, I'm sure you'll be competing with Doug Benson for a thing that day. But uh, so once that happens, are you going to tour do you tour all new stuff or do you do some stuff from the special or? Yeah, well, um, I'll probably go out with a lot of songs from the special. Mm-hmm. This, um, you know, I've, I've kind of added, I, uh, like the last uh, two, a couple weeks ago, I went out and kind of um, did a lot of the songs from the new special for mm-hmm. like the first time yep. uh, in front of a crowd. Because like when I'm like writing them, I don't want to do them like months in advance right. from the special coming out because – then it's just like, I don't know, I get paranoid about like, you know, ideas and stuff like, sure. you know, kind of thing. So I mean, I, like people like like other people having parallel ideas and stuff. Well, I mean, not like, yeah, I mean, maybe but just being like, oh, I heard that he's doing this song Got about it. this bit or something like that. Got it. So um, so I just started doing the songs from this new album. Um, and uh, so that'll it'll probably be heavily those like for the next you know, a couple of months at least. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. And then are you really, is, are the songs on a separate album or is it all part of the same comedy album? Yeah, no, it's, um, the, the album's all songs. It's all music. Um, and that comes out at the same time as the special. And the special is, is this, um, we did something different. Like the last special I did for Comedy Central, it was kind of a traditional, like me on a stage with an audience. It was like five years ago? Uh, it was like three, three. Yeah, I think it was three. 
Was it three? Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was like 2013. No, that was my first album. That was the first album. I did that. Yeah, and then yeah, I did yeah. one in 2015. Um, so yeah, like just three years cool. ago. And uh, that was all um, in front of like an audience, you know, with band and everything. So this one, what I did was it's, there's a linear story to it. And it's all scripted. But then it goes into music, like in my head. Oh, cool. so it's a story about me and my like longtime girlfriend. Uh, you know, she she makes me go to brunch with all of her friends, and I hate all of her friends. <laughs> and so it's me at brunch, and they're bringing up all these topics, and like uh, you know, and I'm kind of like in hell. And Got then it. it goes into my head of like what I'm thinking about all their topics. So it's kind of like a one hour story. Kind of That's really cool. Yeah. Have you ever thought about reuniting with your parents on stage? And getting spanked in front of people? That would be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> next, next special. That'd be great. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to call into the 24-hour thing. Yeah. Like, I really hope they I do. I bet they do, yeah. Did you retain any, uh, are, you a, are you a lapsed Christian, or did you retain any of that? Or? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, like I, I, I don't know what I am. Like, uh, like I, I guess I'd be, I guess I'd be agnostic. Sure. Like, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there's still like remnants of, of it that I definitely, you know. Like. It's hard to shake some of that. It's mm-hmm. hard to shake some of that, um, you know, uh, I, I like, I, I always kind of wonder if where some of my mild OCD comes from the ritualistic nature of what Catholicism was. Cause I was right. raised Catholic. I went to Catholic, all boys Catholic school. And you know, th- those ideas of do this, this many times to purge this thing. Right. And then you will be okay. If you do not do re- observe this exact ritual, you will not be, then you have to do that. You know, yeah. like I wonder if that's where a lot of that comes from. Well, I don't know if it comes from there, but I definitely think like I have pretty severe OCD. Like, you know, like I'm on medicine for it and everything uh-huh. like that. Like, and, um, and I definitely know that it's not, you know, if you do have obsessive compulsive disorder, it doesn't help. Right. To like be raised in that kind of way, because then, you know, like, well, when I, I grew up there, say like, well, you know, you know the, the idea that, you know, if you believe you, it's all like, do you believe in your heart? But then that's basically means that they can, uh, like God or whoever can know your mind. Right. And so then also a lot of religious stuff is like, sometimes God will speak to you. Now, if you have OCD, like, how do you differentiate, you know, as a kid, kind sure. of these things that are like, oh, you got to touch that. Or, like, your parents are going to die. Right. You know, like, how do you determine if it was God telling me to do that or, like, that kind of thing. So I definitely think, like, you know, for some, uh, you know, I I definitely think having OCD is not a good thing to be (laughs) mixed with. Right. Being in a very religious, like, Right, right, right. And and then, so, just for other people who are listening who might have the same thing, what are some tool sets that you were able to develop to... Because, you know, when, when you obsess on details that maybe aren't necessarily holistically important for the thing you're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. you know, especially with jokes or ideas or, like, notes or songs you can't get out of your head, like, how are you, you know, besides medication, are there other things that you're doing in tandem with that to, to help get around that stuff? Um, I don't really, you know, like, I'll just, it depends, like... Um, like, it'll take me a, a, a bit to get out of my house mm-hmm. sometimes because there's just things that I still have to do sure. to, like, get out. Um, but then if I'm um, – but I try to just make shorthands for it. I almost try to make deals 
with it. Like oh, you're like I can really interesting. I can combine all of this ritual if I do this much shorter ritual. Right. Like you know, and this one covers up for that it's one. It's like a proxy ritual. Yeah. So I'm constantly like you know uh, negotiating with myself about uh, you know what are the rules right now for for us. That's really interesting. <laughs> That's a really interesting way to do it because you rather than struggling with that ah oh, i must conquer you saying like okay i recognize that you're there yeah. what about if we just did this yes. you okay with are, that are we good with that yeah is that, that is that good at least for a week is yeah. that fine like, <laughs> can, can you not kill my parents if i if i just you know if i just touch this one thing touch this one time instead yeah. of touching that 20 times yeah 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 there was i mean i remember for me when it was when it was really bad i would li- i would be like stuck at my apartment door like, I've checked the door ten times. Right. It's definitely locked. But I would walk away and feel like, but is it? Like, I could not Yeah. I could not be comfortable with... And then at a certain point, I would have to just be like... Like, if you see someone who's struggling with a... And they just go, ah! You know, that's the... <laughs> just fucking leave me alone! You know, it's fine, whatever! You know? It's just like, how do you... How do you not get to that point, or how do you? Yeah. you know, how can you negotiate it down? Well, and the other thing, the other the other tricky thing about it is like most people who have obsessive compulsive disorder, they know it's stupid. You know, like you know, you know that it's probably not going to do anything. But people, I, I I think that it's more of a fear of like, all right, well, what if I didn't touch the doorknob or whatever, like it right. is, and then randomly my parents died today anyway. Right. Like they were going it has nothing to do, but then I'll touch the doorknob just so that I'm not like living with that for the rest of my life. Like, I got, I should have touched the, I should have touched the doorknob. Like, right. you know, that kind of thing. And I so then if that did happen, then you would be absolved. It's like, not my fault. I touched the doorknob. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> not on me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I clearly did the I, thing yep. in the right order. <laughs> so I guess that's on you. Not my fault. Not- <laughs> I wonder if that. I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to find... I'm sure someone's done studies on this, but it'd be interesting to find out the number of people who are, like, lapsed Catholics or Christians who, in the absence of those, you know, very specific rule sets that they were given... Right. ...develop this because, like, we, as 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 lapses, I guess, yeah. we don't have that structure anymore, and so our brains need just sort of formed... Needing that, like, th- like that's what they were raised on. Yeah. So maybe you know, I, I would be interesting to find like people in the agnostic fringes. You know, I, w- I, w- I would be willing to bet that the the amount of you know different shades of OCD is is likely to be extraordinarily high. I don't know yeah. if that's true, but I'd be really interested to find out. Well, it'd be terrifying if they did that study and they came back and they're like, "Yeah, it turns out that's actually God talking." About <laughs> and... You found that out in the study? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. No, I guess no one had asked the right question yeah. before. Better touch your doorknobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really funny. I mean, it, it, if I didn't understand it so well, you know, and I, I think I was able to you know, get a little bit better with it over time and and relax a little bit. But I'm actually going to try, I'm going to try, because Katie's heard this, a couple people have come on, Jonah Ray's been doing Transcendental Meditation, my friend Joe Manganiello has been doing it, and they do it with the, you know, like the David Lynch Foundation. And so I was like, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to see if it quiets... Yeah, quiets that chatter that's in the head all the time. Yeah, people, I've never heard a bad thing about that. People love it. Have you tried it? No. 
<laughs> Sounds kind of hippie. Uh, no thanks. Yeah. Hard pass. I don't need that. Uh, <laughs> I like. I love the turn of that. I've heard that works really like a trend. Fucking no way. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, no. No. I'm cool. Dead. <laughs> I just I wonder what I wonder what that is because it it is definitely something that a lot of you know certainly comedy people have it in common mm-hmm. and it, it does seem like comedy is a nice way to play with those voices or protect ourselves in some way or or express them or get them I don't I don't know what that is yeah I mean like it does seem like a lot of people in comedy have something wrong. <laughs> I, I like, would love for someone to really do like a detailed study of like what, you know, it's like when people go, man, it's amazing that you do comedy. I don't think I could ever do that. And then I always go like, I don't know if it was a choice, yeah. you know, like it's just a, co- yeah. it's a compulsion. Yeah. Hopefully you'll never have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully nothing will happen to you where you need the armor yeah. to feel like you need to get up in front of strangers and be like, how about this? Yeah. Oh, you like this? <laughs> well, people ask me like, would you ever let your, like, you know, would, later on, would you ever let your kids like do comedy? And we're like, well, I mean, they can do it. They would be able to do whatever they want, but I would feel like I failed. <laughs> <laughs> like I screwed up something. <laughs> Oh no! Well, I'm happy that you found a thing, but God damn it, I'm sorry. What did I do? What did I do? Well, I didn't touch the doorknob, did I? Yeah, yeah. Should have touched the doorknob. I worked too much. I I didn't pick you up enough. That's what it was. Can you want me to pick you up now? Is it weird now? I carry you around. I know you're 20, but is it weird? Is it still weird? Do you have kids? You don't have kids. I I do. You do have kids. You have one child. I have one kid. How old is your child? He's seven months old. Oh my god! Yeah, so he, he's uh, so I could really mess him up right now. Yeah, absolutely. This like, is I mean, where they're I mean, the most impressionable. Prime, turn him into a comedian range right <laughs> here. Just take his hand and start touching the doorknob every time you leave. Like, yeah, this is what you got to do. This is how Dad does not kill your grandparents, and this is how you keep Daddy alive. Yeah, so you have to pay it forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're a whole family of door touchers. <laughs> The kid's just gonna have like all these knobs in his room. It's just like playing them like people play the glasses. It's like that's his universe, keeping everyone alive with the knob touching. I don't know what it is. I do think if I ever have a heart attack and I am dying, um, but I have a little bit of like you know wherewithal, I will call him and be like, "I think I'm dying. Did you touch the door?" (laughs) Because I think he'll think that's funny. That's a good good thing. Oh, that's fantastic. You screwed me on this. What the fuck happened? You couldn't leave the house once in two days and touch a knob? I gave you everything. How hard is that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, he'll either inherit it or he'll, or he'll, it'll be the complete opposite. And he'll right. just be the chillest kid yeah. ever. My parents don't have it, so like you know, I don't think it's a hereditary. Well, they you know they still have the Lord, so maybe that that's true, maybe man. that's maybe they maybe that maybe that satisfies yeah. that for them. Maybe yeah. do they play together at all? Oh uh, yeah, they still do. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, just look, kind of local stuff. You know, they don't they don't tour anymore. What's the name of their What's the name of your parents? What's, do they have a good group name? It was there was Mickey and Becky Moore. Mickey and Becky that Moore. Was their names, yeah. Did they ever appear on the Lawrence Welk show? No, they didn't do Lawrence Welk. We did 700 Club. Uh-huh. Um, you know what we were on a lot was, uh, remember um, um, Jim Baker? Of Tampa course, Bay? yeah. 
that whole thing. We were we were on those shows like a lot, and um, you know, we I would actually hang out at that. You ever see uh, that whole amusement park they made? I I know I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh yeah, I used to hang out there. We had like lifetime memberships there. Holy so shit! I was, I was there a lot. Yeah. That's insane. Did you meet Jim and Tammy? I never met her. I don't think I did. But um, yeah, I uh, but I loved the water park they had. <laughs> I don't know if it was just because I was a kid, but Jim and Tammy Faye make one of the best water parks I've ever been at. I'm, I was thinking about this the other day, that idea of the, you know, the crystal megachurch mm-hmm. with the, you know, the televangelists and their, you know, and they have the jewelry and everything. And I, 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 it's hard. It was it's very hard for me to understand why someone would buy into that because if you to and maybe I just maybe I just didn't read the right parts of the Bible to understand this, but I thought it was all about like not living lavishly. Yeah. And so if it why would you give your money to people where you can see like I mean that whole idea of we've built this, you know, crystal rocket ship to the he- to heaven. Right. Why wouldn't someone go, oh, but I don't think that was Jesus. Didn't he tip over all of the money carts at the temple? And I thought it was about, you know. Well, somewhere along the line, we kind of, like, we kind of reversed it all. Like, where, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's it's not about the poor or anything like that. Right. It's it's gotten, you know, yeah, I, I, I never understand it either when you watch those you know, the people who are kind of like showing off how much money they have. Yeah. I don't understand the Pope. I don't understand like the the, the, the showing off all the gold. I went to the Vatican. Right. You oh, know? wow. And I was like, you know, and, and this isn't, I mean, I'm just saying like, it seems like there's a lot of like, we're proud of how much gold. Yeah. And I, and I, and I really thought like it wasn't, if I, again, I, you know, it's been a while since I had a theology class since I was in Jesuit all boys Catholic school, but but I thought the idea was that if Jesus came across that kind of stuff, he'd be like, "No, no, no, that's fake. Yeah, don't be, don't, don't be taken in by false gods." Even in, uh, if anyway, if you Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that biblical tale, you know, where it's like they reach for the oh, the golden chalice, the chalice of a king. No, no, it was the it was a little yeah. cup. It was just a little, you know, like clay cup of a carpenter. I don't yeah. that's so. So I don't know where it or if it's just that. Most Americans' ideals, like, it'd be great to have money. That must be God. Like, right. I really would love to for someone to explain it. Well, I think it came down to, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know, I'm just talking out my ass here. But, like, it, it could be, like, you know, there's, we somehow made it where it's, like, it's still about selfish stuff. Like, you know, oh, I want God to do this for me. Right. You know, like, I want to, you know, pray to God to get a raise at work. I want to pray to God to get, like, you know, to have all this wealth or success kind of thing. And so then, you know, we kind of conflated it in this weird way. Like, you know, where there's, I don't know, it seems like that's what a lot of those televangelist guys sure. are at least selling. Right. You know? they're, uh, they're In a way, they're sort of selling, like, shallow capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a weird yeah. kind of way. Yeah. But 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 the idea that I guess people cuz I guess it's really hard to or maybe it's just more convenient to just give money, mm-hmm. you know, cuz if someone goes, "Well, I mean, I guess I could go out and feed people at a homeless shelter, but that takes a lot of time. So if I just give like there's almost a little bit of touch the doorknob in that sense where I'm like, "Well, if I give X amount of dollars, then I'm being, yeah. Then I that's, you know, like that's a part of that ritual and then mm-hmm. I'm okay. Am I okay? Is that okay? Is that okay? That seems okay. Right. Everyone's okay, so I'll just keep doing that." So maybe that's what that plays into. I wonder if the televangelists cuz I know like, you know, I know the the Catholic Church does a lot of, you know, charity and stuff like that. Yeah. But I wonder if the televangelists like how much of it actually ends up being charitable 
works. I bet it would be a bummer to find out the yeah. actual the actual because yeah. you know there's there, there's probably that studio math a little bit you know like the film studio math they're like well. But we did need the jets to get to, get to deliver right. God's message to these people. So, you know, after we factor that in, of course, we can write all this off because we're, yeah. you know, we're a religion. But, uh, but, but we did need, we did that for you guys. We rode the jets, the private jets for you. Yeah. Well, you can't. You're not going to do a commercial. No. Yeah. With all those slobs? Mm-mm. No. We're not. We, we need a break. <laughs> we need a break. God's message needs to be protected in this solid gold helicopter that we have. Yeah, but I, 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 it feels to me like that trend, I'm, although I know it still does exist, but I feel like it's not as... Yeah, you don't see it that much anymore. Not as much anymore. It doesn't yeah. feel as mainstreamy as it was. Although yeah. I do, I'm sure it still exists in some form. Yeah. Or it could just be because, like, you know... Because they don't do it on cable as much. It used to be a big like broadcasting thing, like during the afternoons on like right. the weekends. That's when you'd see them. Like, right. You know, they're like the church would buy like a one hour thing, and the guy would come in. I don't know. Maybe it's still out. It's there. probably more regional now. Yeah. So that if you know, if you were to go to like you know Virginia or Tennessee or whatever, whatever the local community, maybe on a local station, they would have their you know Sunday televangelist drive or whatever maybe it's just not as national or syndicated i honestly yeah. i honestly don't know anymore i'm gonna look into it and see uh and see how lucrative it still is <laughs> i'm sure it's still incredibly lucrative <laughs> i'm still being able being able to separate money from people who are terrified about the only thing that can be held over their head which is their eternal souls well have you, you seen know? this thing that jim baker does now with uh, the survival um, gear no that's what he sells now oh he's a survivalist yeah he sells big buckets of food Oh. Um, like his survival buckets. Oh, oh. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, you should look it up. Is the water park closed now? Oh, yeah. They shut that down. Oh, they did. When, when he went to jail, they shut that down. But yeah, you should look it up. It's crazy. Like now he sells like survivalist stuff. I hope he calls it the Last Supper. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> oh, come on, yeah. man. What a great... He just left it right there. It was right there. The yeah. entire time. <laughs> that, I think maybe that's the thing I'm maddest about. <laughs> come on, man. This is a perfect bit. You're not even trying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the idea that, you know, it, that people are so – and it's sad because, you know, these people who are giving all this money, I mean, I, I guess maybe if it brings them comfort, that's fine. But it just feels like, come on, these are the – these people need help. Like they don't need you to take their money and say you're going right. to do stuff and then buy rings. Like what's the – Right. It makes me sad. It really makes me sad. Yeah. It, it's – Yeah. And are your know. parents still into that part of it, or are they not? I mean, no, they're they're um, you know they don't uh, you know they they were never like they televangelists. They would just go on the shows like sure. to promote like the music and stuff like that. But they still um, you know they perform with their church and they like you know do like uh, you know they'll do an, an event here or there. But they're getting close to retiring now, so I think they they've talked about maybe we should get the band back on the road together and like go out. So I don't know, maybe they'll start touring again or something like that. I really do think it would destroy if you had them come out and do a song with you <laughs> that they, if they'd be willing to do this, the juxtaposition of them trying to keep a song as Christian as possible and then you're like, maybe they're the chorus and then your verses. But they would not be down to do it. <laughs> that would never fly. <laughs> I, I don't even need to make the Just call. Just tell you now that's it's not going to happen. It's really not going to happen. There was a great, um, you know, because Lawrence Welk was uh, had such a great eye and ear for for music and and performers, and um, 
they he this is there is an amazing thing on YouTube where he had he took uh, Brewer and Shipley's one toke over the line, uh-huh. uh huh, which is could not be more of a drug song, right? It's in the title, yeah, and he had this like super Christiany kind of duo come on and sing it as a as a duo. And they were sort of able to justify it because they said, one took over the line, sweet Jesus. And he was able to sell it to the, and I'm sure he, I mean, obviously he knew what it was. Yeah. But he was able to sell it to his audience because it was very one simple line. He just said, oh, thank you to, and it was like a Dave and Cindy kind of a band yeah. uh, for their modern day spiritual. And that was it. That's all he had to say. And it, it totally sold, but it's on YouTube and it's fucking fascinating because they sing it. They it's so Christiany sounding, yeah. But just that when you know what the lyrics actually mean, you're saying one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. Yeah. Didn't know Lawrence Folk was so subversive. There it is. One toke over the line, sweet Jesus. One toke over the line, sitting downtown in a railway station. One toke over the line. Yeah, it's yeah, that. so. And these people could not look more like she's in sort of like one of those country hee-haw dresses uh-huh. and he's just in a polyester suit in like a barn set. Like it could not be more. But it could be they, they're one toke over the line from getting into heaven. <laughs> Wait. So the, yeah. So they, they, they're, they're one toke. They're going to hell because they're one toke over the line. Oh, so gotcha. So you can make it into like a so religious. so so the, so God is rescuing them from being over the line. No, it's like so uh, uh, they're dead and yeah. they're up at like uh, the pearly it's very gates. Conceptual. Yeah, and Saint <laughs> Peter is there, and they're like, I think I did pretty good. I you know I did some bad things, did some good things. And he's looking through the mm-hmm. uh, you know the book, and then he's like, Ah, you got you, you're one toke over the line. <laughs> One too many toes. Yeah, yeah. And so, so does this does this song end with them going to hell? Yeah. Oh wow, well, that's a very <laughs> there. Hey, turn it into a religious. Song. I don't know if that's a. I don't know if that really makes it spiritual. That's just a, that's a tragic well, Christian a cautionary, cautionary tale. Cautionary tale. Yes. Oh, exactly. gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. 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 I do. I guess I could see that interpretation. I guess the other interpretation is that they've gone over the line, but then they get pulled back. Oh, okay. That's much more positive. <laughs> that's the happy foot side. <laughs> Not the sad foot side. Bringing it all the way around. <laughs> That's fantastic. What a great place to land on our happy feet. And also, so people's homework are to look up the one chuck over the line. Maybe we'll just play it at the end of the thing. Uh, or And also the sad foot, happy foot. So if you're not a local Los Angelino that you understand the magic of Sadfoot Happy Foot. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a big it's a big uh, urban religion thing. Well, now that I when I drive by it on Sunset, I'm going to not make eye contact with the sign cuz yeah. I don't want to know. Sorry to add that into your Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man, you've you've really <laughs> thrown a stake to the fucking lion in my subconscious now who's just going to fucking jump right on that. But uh, but it was really great having you on, and and oh, I, thanks for having you me. know it's funny that that we've been acquaintanced for so long that it's almost like it's almost like sitting down with somebody like you know I I always liked you and we've never really hung out like no. so it's always hey how you doing it was always at like parties or events yeah. or things like that yeah, yeah and just yeah. sort of in passing but yeah. but I really 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 enjoyed talking to you and people you should, should see your special on four twenty four twenty at yeah. midnight what which that's the thing it's actually four twenty one because it's four twenty <laughs> at midnight. Well, okay, so when we started when we started the show at midnight, right. 
the reason for the reason that we would uh, for the, when we were on it actually at midnight before they moved us to eleven thirty, we we decided to say it's eleven fifty nine or fifty nine seconds. People would all and if you actually watch, it was actually twelve oh one. And the reason that we lied is because we couldn't figure out how else to get around. This is what happened on the internet today because at that point today's internet was only a minute old. Right, right. So we were so we got caught up on a technic. We got snagged in a technicality. So we would always say it's eleven fifty nine fifty nine seconds. Ah, okay. That would sort of get us in the back door of like here's what happened today. Ah, I see. So yes, I know I know the pain of this. You're technically four twenty. Can 20. I steal that? I'll just please eleven fifty nine fifty nine. Just like just four twenty. By all means, just uh, pillage <laughs> pillage the organs of at midnight's corpse and take whatever you uh. need. Give away points if you want. No one's giving away points okay. anymore. Yeah, yeah, it'd be totally fine. If, if you'll like pass the points baton to me, I'll. I'll, I'll I, I, you know, show. I want to make the points open source. Like, <laughs> let's do open source points. You Great. know what I mean? Like, let's just. I don't want to. I don't want to make it proprietary. I want to no. make points available to everyone. I crowdsource it. All right, good. good. Um, uh, what is the name of the special? Uh, the story of our times. The story of our time, and then when's Trevorthon? Uh, that's going to be uh, midnight to midnight on the nineteenth. So it's going to, oh, no, on the 20th. So mm-hmm. it's going to go all the way from midnight on the 19th up to the special airing. Up to the special on the, yeah. ne- the next night. And yeah. is that on Comedy Central or Facebook? Or? That's going to be, I think, on their Facebook, on Comedy Central's Facebook page. Excellent. And then a couple other social media platforms. Excellent. Like Probably be fun to talk to you right after the 24-hour mar- oh, marathon. It's going to be but, a mess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. And, oh, thank you. And congratulations with all, all the Whitest Kids success. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think anyone... I think you're very you, you're, y'all are very inspirational to people who, you know, have a college sketch group or any kind of comedy group, and just like, oh yeah, you just kind of go out and make your comedy and show it to people, and then you know when it starts working, people will catch on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that like that's all. You know, just do it as much as you can and put it out there as much as you can, and hopefully something will hit. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Trevor. Good to see you. Thank you, Chris. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. The end. Thank you very much. Now, here's an attractive couple, Gail Farrell from Durand, Oklahoma, Dick Dale from Algona, Iowa. Excuse me. Let's listen to Gail and Dale and one of the newer songs. One toke over the line, sweet Jesus, one toke over the line. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toke over the line. Waiting for the train that goes home, sweet Mary, hoping that the train is on time. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toke over the line. Who do you love? I hope it's me. I've been changing, as you can plainly see. I felt the joy and I learned about the pain that my mama said. If I should choose to make a part of me, would surely strike me dead. And now I'm one toke over the line, sweet Jesus, one toke over the line. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toke over the line. Waiting for the train that goes home, sweet Mary, hoping that the train is on time. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toke over the line. One toke over the line, sweet Jesus, one toke over the line. Sitting downtown in a railway station.
station, one's off over the line. Don't you know that we're waiting for the train that goes home, sweet Mary? Hoping that the train is on time. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one's off over the line. Don't you know that we're sitting downtown in a railway station, one's off. One joke over the line. ID Tenty scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Every year, 50 teenage girls, one from every state, show up in Mobile, Alabama to compete in the largest cash scholarship competition exclusively for high school girls. They spend months training to win the big prize. But what happens when a Supreme Court decision leaves many of them feeling unprepared for the real world? A lot of the girls were crying, and I never seen any of them cry before. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. I'm your host, Shima Oliai. Follow me behind the scenes as all 50 girls are catapulted into the center of a nationwide debate about their rights. What do they think of their changing country? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.